Good morning, everyone. I'm R.W. Estella with a word in edgewise. Happy belated May Day. Workers of the world unite. Today is the 2nd of May, the 122nd day of 2022, leaving us 243 days on our journey to 2023. Today in 1429, 17-year-old Joan of Arc had entered the besieged city of Orleans, had paused to pray in the Orleans Cathedral, and had then led her troops to defeat the British, accomplishing a major victory for the French during the Hundred Years' War. Today in 1949, Arthur Miller won the Pulitzer Prize for Death of a Salesman. Today in 1955, Tennessee Williams won the Pulitzer Prize for Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Today in 2011, Al-Qaeda founder Osama bin Laden was killed by U.S. Navy SEALs in Abbottabad, Pakistan. Heavenward in the southeastern sky just before dawn over the weekend, the giant planet Jupiter approached the brilliantly bright planet Venus so closely that the two almost appeared to merge. In the upper right-hand reaches of the same sky at the same time, Mars and Saturn have been keeping close company. And this Thursday and Friday in the early morning hours, look to the same southeasterly quadrant of sky for Eta Aquarid meteor showers. Radiating from the constellation Aquarius at the rate of 20 to 30 shooting stars per hour. On other fronts, notable this past week has been Vice President of the United States and Governor of Maine both testing positive for COVID. This, of course, happening while concentra concentrations of COVID in wastewater samples are approaching levels similar to those seen in February. Similarly, hospitalizations for COVID in Maine are again increasing after a reduction in March that led to relaxing various restrictions, such as masking. How smart do we have to be to figure this out? When we relax our vigilance, rates of COVID rise. Sounds simple enough, but overall, why are we collectively so bad at handling this pandemic? Could it be that we keep behaving as if virtually everything else in the world is more important to us than this virus? Now, in addition to the BA.2 variant of the Omicron strain that emerged earlier this year, BA.2.12 and BA.2.12.1 have also joined the contagion party and are deemed the most communicable yet, for indeed the count of COVID continues. Here in the United States at the moment, we have 83 million cumulative cases of COVID since the first reported cases on January 21st, 2020. Dividing that number by the total cases worldwide of about 513 million, we find that we in the U.S. now have roughly 16% of the world's cases of COVID, while we are only 4% of the world's population. Granted, 16% is an improvement over the 17% of last month and the 20% of the world's cases we had in the U.S. during February. Elsewhere, in a somewhat distant second place to the U.S. stats, India has 44 million cases. In third place globally is Brazil with 31 million cases. 
Fourth place this past week again goes to France, owing to its significant recent spike in cases. So its total since the beginning of the pandemic is now 29 million. In a relatively close fifth place is Germany with 25 million cases, right behind with 23 million cases. In sixth place is the UK, and seventh place goes to Russia with 19 million cases cumulatively since the beginning of the pandemic about 28 months ago. On the fatal front, worldwide deaths due to COVID are now at 6.3 million, while COVID deaths here in the United States are currently at 994 thousand. Up at least 2,000 since last week. Not a huge number for some folks. Only an average of 285 of our citizens dying per day from the virus. Not a big number unless someone close to you has succumbed to COVID. In other words, assuming a steady state of increase as evidenced thus far, by this time next month, the United States will be at 1 million deaths due to COVID and continue to be the world leader in that horrific toll. On the bright side of this statistical teeter-totter, though we in the United States remain way out front leading the world in COVID deaths, our weekly totals here in the U.S. have decreased by more than 30% since February. Worldwide, more than 11.4 billion doses of vaccine have been administered. Today in 1903 in New Haven, Connecticut, sedate corporate lawyer Benjamin Ives Spock and his strict disciplinary wife, Mildred welcomed their new son, Benjamin, into the world. Biographer Ed Morrow tells us Mildred needed little provocation to wallop her children whenever she felt such a gesture was warranted, and to toughen them up, she had them sleep, both summer and winter, in an unheated tent on the roof of the family home. Son Benjamin would later describe his mother as Quote, a very moralistic, opinionated, domineering person. As soon as the child got past the age of one and started showing an inclination toward independence, she would move in to squelch it. That happened to every child in my family. I am sure that as I searched into psychiatry and psychoanalysis, I was motivated by the feeling that there must be pleasanter ways to bring up babies than the way I had been brought up. Close quote. Perhaps due to his stern mother, Benjamin had difficulty learning to speak and had numerous phobias, including a fear of fire engines, concern about an imaginary lion hiding in bushes near the house, and being in terror of a large Italian woman who dug dandelions from neighborhood lawns. Later, Benjamin would attend Yale and afterwards Columbia, where he studied pediatrics, establishing a practice and becoming more and more confident of his ideas regarding child rearing would eventually inspire Benjamin Spock in 1946 to write The Common Sense Book of Baby and Child Care, which became a best-selling manual for the parents of the baby boom generation. Those of us whose parents followed Benjamin's advisories became known as Spock babies. So when I met Benjamin's sister Marjorie Spock while working on her home in Sullivan, Maine in 1989, I had many questions which would lead to wonderfully enlightening conversations about her brother and his gospel. Today is also the birthday in 1660 of Italian Baroque composer Alessandro Scarlatti. In 1797, of Canadian geologist and inventor of kerosene, Abraham Gessner. In 1885, of American gossip columnist, Hedda Hopper. In 1892, of World War I fighter ace, the Red Baron Manfred von Richthofen. In 
1894, of American silent film actress Norma Talmadge. In 1901, of singer and actor Bing Crosby. In 1945, of Nicaraguan model Bianca Jagger. In 1946, of American pop singer Leslie Gore. In 1952, of American actress Christine Baranski. In 1972, of American wrestler and actor Dwayne Johnson. From Orono, Maine, I'm R.W. Estella with a word in Edgewise. Here's to the seventh week of spring. <laughs>